John chapter 1 and verse 19. And this is the record of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who art thou? And he confessed and denied not, but confessed, I am not the Christ, I am not the Messiah. And they asked him, What then? Art thou Elias, Elijah? And he saith, I am not. Art thou that prophet? And he answered, No. Then said they unto him, Who art thou? that we may give an answer to them that sent us, What sayest thou of thyself? He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah, as said the prophet Isaiah. And they which were sent were of the Pharisees, and they asked him and said unto him, Why baptizest thou then, if thou be not that Christ, nor Elijah, nor neither that prophet? And John answered them, saying, I baptize with water, but there standeth one among you whom you know not. He it is who, coming after me, is preferred before me, whose shoe latchet I am not worthy to unloose. These things were done in Bethabara, beyond Jordan, where John was baptizing. The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him, and saith, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me cometh a man which is preferred before me, for he was before me. When we consider the brief ministry of John the Baptist, and humanly speaking, in terms of years and amount of time on earth, it was brief, we see a man who thoroughly knows his place. We are not who we see ourselves to be. We are not what others see us to be. We are, however, exactly what God sees us to be. Rare is the person who sees themselves in that light. Because of our frailness, because of our sinfulness and humanness and our propensity to put ourselves before others in a better light or a different light or some other light, some other face, we may say, Even in grace, even those who know the Lord savingly often struggle with who they are in Christ, are are seeing themselves exactly as God sees them. This ought to be our daily prayer. I think sometimes we're afraid to see ourselves in that light. We may not want to be that person or see what's there, but the only way to grow in grace, the only way to appropriate the the measure of grace and the resources of the Lord is to see ourselves in the light of his word and walk in that light as he is in the light. John knew who he was. He made no pretense whatsoever. He was not trying to make a name for himself. If that was the case, he had a wonderful opportunity to do it just now. He did not care what people thought of him as far as fitting into a certain mold, and he certainly he didn't. He perplexed the religious leaders, and they wondered about him, and he caused them to see themselves and look at themselves, and truly every true believer, should our lives should be salt. It should be light. It should cause those who don't know the Lord to examine themselves. John is the forerunner, the front-runner, the preparer, the advanced man for introducing a ministry and a minister that will eclipse his own. He got that. 
He knew that was why he was born. He knew that his ministry would be absolutely overtaken, overshadowed, and replaced with the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was comfortable with his calling to be an announcer, to be a proclaimer with a specific, limited message. Repent of your sins because the Savior is at hand. Publicly own him as Messiah and Lord. Show that you have repented and are rightly related to him, and I will baptize you in water. And when he comes, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit of God. What a message. John's was a limited ministry, if you will, a simple one. He was not the Messiah. There were many who came in that day, who came throughout history, and at the coming of the Messiah, there was in that time many from time to time who would raise up and say, I'm Jesus. That happens down through the ages, lunatics here and there, religious men. And in John's day, there were others who said they were the Messiah. But he could not do what the Messiah was coming to do. He knew that. He could prepare the way for the Messiah and point people to him, but the Messiah would do his own work. That's the task of every gospel minister, every evangelist, every Sunday school teacher, every missionary, every believer, we're simply to point people to Jesus Christ. He's the door. He's the way. That's the way. You go through there. You go to Him. It's quite simple, our job, our ministry. We often make it complicated, but we are simple vessels to show others the Lord Jesus Christ. Today's ministers uh, tend to carefully package themselves and their ministry brand presenting a a carefully crafted image and one to receive a, a desired result with a specific targeted following. How unlike that was John the Baptist. How opposite to that were the apostles. How unlike the ministry of John with what, much of what is called ministry today. John had not been trained at the feet of the leading rabbis of the day. His pre- preparation for his ministry was strictly of the Lord. And I'm in no wise casting reflection on preparing for the ministry. I'm just saying that John did not have the regular or the so-called normal way of training for public ministry. He, he wasn't under the auspices of a specific party, that of the Sadducees or the Pharisees, who differed on their doctrine of the resurrection and the literal interpretation of the Bible. He, he wasn't commissioned by the Sanhedrin, the, the high court of the Jews. Though born in a priestly line, he was not serving in a position at the temple in any way. We know from a comparison of the Gospels, and we'll look at those different comparisons as we did in the Scripture reading this morning from Matthew, that John had lived in obscurity in the wilderness until God called him forth to minister before the coming of Christ. He stood in good lines. Some of the Old Testament prophets had the same kind of preparation. Elijah appears suddenly on the ministry, suddenly on the the scene with a specific task to declare to the, the king and his wife that they were abominable 
and that they had made the Lord's people uh, abominations and that the, the worship of, of Israel at that time was absolutely an abomination in his sight. Can you imagine that ministry to go and uh, be the chaplain to Ahab and his wife and tell them they were going to be judged unless they repented? Mark tells us that John lived in a, a simple life like many of the Old Testament prophets, especially like the life of Elijah. And in fact, that's why they're asking him specifically, are you Elijah? Not only did his preaching and his manner, his dress, his simple dress in camel's hair with a leather belt tied around his waist, he not only resembled Elijah, but there were other reasons why they asked him that. John's message was simple. It was uncluttered with man's philosophy and insignificant jargon. He emphasized the essentials, preaching repentance, being rightly related to the Messiah, clearing the way, make straight the paths of the Lord. He gave proper place. He says in verse 18 here, No man has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, He hath declared Him. And this is the record of John. He preached all the deity of Jesus Christ, the coming Messiah, We read in in Luke's gospel where he's quoting from Isaiah, Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make his paths straight. Every valley shall be exalted. Every mountain shall be brought, hill brought low. And the crooked shall be made straight. And the rough ways shall be made smooth. And all flesh shall see the salvation of the Lord. He's a biblical preacher. He's quoting the the, uh, gospel, if you will, the prophecy of Isaiah. One of the marks of true preaching is that it is filled with the Bible. It is, its basis is the Scripture, God's Word, and God's Word is elevated as the final authority. Well, when they heard him preach there, Luke tells us the people said, what shall we do? His preaching brought about repentance, brought about the convicting work of the Holy Spirit. And may I might add, all true preaching will do that. It is not the elevation of a cause or a specific denomination or a church or personality. Jesus Christ is lifted up and he says, I will draw all men to me. Sir, we would see Jesus and teacher, Sunday school teacher, preacher, whoever will declare the name of the Lord, point to Jesus Christ and lift him up. One day, as we see here in our text, the Jewish authorities sent out a delegation to question John. The crowds were flocking to him, and the numbers of those following his baptism reached back to Jerusalem, and it caused great consternation with the officials. Thousands were flocking to hear him preach. Thousands were submitting to his baptism. Was this a political ploy? Would this strange preacher seize the moment and rally a party, a faction, a huge following to try to overthrow the Roman political control over them. They were looking for deliverers. They were looking for someone to do that. This rough, tough, wilderness man just might be the one. You see, the religious leaders were not so concerned about the Messiah coming. They were afraid if he did that and, and turned these thousands who were following him into warriors and to... Uh, 
protesters and rioters that the Roman, the fierce Roman army would swiftly uh, squash it and all hopes of that would be gone. They were biding their time. They were looking for a man. They were hoping for a deliverer. And some were wondering, well, let's go see. This might be him. He's got quite a crowd out there. They had better find out who this man was and, and what he was up to. A group of priests and Levites came to John's meeting, and could there be any farther poles apart than these men in their priestly garments? They're the rough, plain, country, wilderness uh, prophet, John the Baptist. I'm sure they sneered as they saw people rise up out of the watery shores of Jordan, rejoicing that they had found the answer, that they had found the Lord. They were wondering what was going on. The priests ministered at the temple. They would serve in two-week courses annually. The rest of the time, they were just theological theologians in residence, answering questions and taking up valuable space. And they would ask, answer questions. They were deciders of the law. But their only real service was a very short period of time. They did not minister every day. There were so many in the priestly line that for them to serve in their course, some would serve only one time in their lifetime. Some never even reached that point where they could actually go and, and serve. The Levites assisted the priests with their religious rites and moving the furniture and the sacrifices. And some of the Levites served as temple police they were the temple security i'm sure they accompanied the priests in case there was an uprising or an insurrection and they would uh, of course uh, comfort them and help them and, and, and protect them as they came from jerusalem they asked him who are you bluntly just come to john who are you and we see there in verse 20 he confessed I am not the Christ. If you think that I'm the Savior, the Christ, the coming Christ, or that I think I am, I'll tell you, I'm not him. I am not the Messiah. Well, then they ask, well, 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 are you Elijah? Which is an interesting and reasonable question. As I've already mentioned, he resembled Elijah's uh, appearance and his manner. There were a lot of similarities between them. John was calling them to repentance, and Elijah called his hearers to repentance. We remember his most memorable sermon was on Mount Carmel where he challenges the prophets of Baal to put up or shut up. You see, the true God-called preacher knows he has the truth. He knows he's handling the truth. We don't apologize for the truth. We unleash it. and Let the Holy Spirit take the sword of the Spirit and slay all opposition and open hearts and convert the lost. Timid, apologetic preaching is the sickest thing on earth lukewarm, insipid, not believing in what we're saying. Oh, every preacher ought to be fully convinced of their message. They may not be trained in the the highest degrees of theology. Their delivery may not be uh, homiletically as it could be or should be. But you leave the service with one thing. You believe that man, I might not agree with him, but he believes what he's preaching is the truth. Don't we owe it to the Lord? Those who have been called by the Lord to say, Thus saith the Lord. John was calling for repentance. Choose you this day whom you'll serve, Elijah told the people of old. Looking the king in the eye. John was revealing the apostasy of the nation of Israel. So, so far from where they should have been. They had long since departed 
from a true heartfelt following of the Lord. Long had passed any belief that the sacrifices were simply object lessons pointing to the coming Savior. Theirs was a work salvation, and many of them were so bold to think that even if they did not do the right work simply because they were born a Jew, they would go to heaven when they die. Their answer would be, if you're right with the Lord, do you need to repent? Who are you talking to about repentance? We are the seed of Abraham. There'll be many gospel preachers who stand today preaching the unsearchable riches of Christ's grace, the needs for repentance and faith, and it will fall on hearers who will say, Preacher, we've been members of this church for 50-something years. Our forefathers paid for the pews we're sitting on, and they're looking at that for their salvation, their works. I've been here longer than you have, Preacher. I'll be here after you're gone. I'm as saved as you are. Never, never having the Holy Spirit of God dealing with their heart and showing them the Savior. That was John's audience. Like so many professing Christians today, they were looking for a political Savior instead of a personal Savior. John was warning to those coming simply to observe and latch on to his followers. He had spiritual discernment. Another mark of a God-called preacher, he can discern things. I mean, he doesn't have a crystal ball. He doesn't have ESP, but there's a spiritual discernment. And John could tell some in the audience really weren't sincere. They were coming to see what they could see. And he sensed this delegation from Israel wasn't exactly under, under conviction, if you know what I mean. And he often would ask, who has warned you of the wrath that is to come? Bring forth fruit for repentance. Another sign of a true God-called preachers he preaches the whole counsel of the gospel of god and that no one should rest in their profession if the holy spirit does not reveal to them fruits meet unto salvation and i would ask you today is there any spiritual fruit in your life that would evidence that the spirit of god has done a work in your heart you must consider that you must ask yourself as we come before the Lord, Lord, and examine yourself by God's word. There's more to salvation than being a descendant of Abraham, and there's more to being saved than being a member of Glen Iris Baptist Church for 50 years. There were many Old Testament prophecies concerning the coming Messiah. Deuteronomy 18, for example, in verse 15, The Lord thy God will raise up unto thee a prophet from the midst of thee, of thy brethren, Liken to me, unto him you shall hearken. I will raise them up a prophet from among their brethren, liken to thee, and will put my words in his mouth. And he shall speak unto them all that I shall command him. As Charles Spurgeon told his young men preparing for the ministry, your humble task is to tell God's people what he has said. Thus saith the Lord. There were many, many messianic prophecies in the old testament and the jews believed that just before messiah would come to set up his kingdom that elijah would physically literally come back to earth and boldly herald the coming of christ and so some were wondering well listen this guy he's a lot like that could could this be the one and they certainly should have considered that Malachi 3, verse 1, Behold, I will send my messenger, 
He shall prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek shall suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant whom you delight in. Behold, he shall come, saith the Lord of hosts. Malachi 4 verse 5, Behold, I will send Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to their children and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite them with a curse. Some Jews, I've told and read, when they celebrate the, the cedar, the Passover meal, they will leave an empty seat at the table for Elijah. Well, surely Elijah is going to come. Indeed, he will. The Bible, those of, who know the Scriptures know the Bible teaches that Elijah will come just before the Lord comes back to earth to set up his kingdom. Elijah will come. And here, the Lord is so gracious He was preparing them for the coming of the Messiah, the coming of the Savior. They should have been investigating Scripture, shouldn't they? They should have been comparing Scripture with Scripture. They should have examined John's message because the Messiah was coming, not to set up his kingdom. Oh, friends, he's going to do that. Be assured that Jesus Christ will reign till the sun sets from shore to shore he till the, the kingdoms shall wax and wane no more. He certainly will rule and reign. They should have been looking. They should have taken note. They should have listened to the message. But John was coming in the spirit and the power of Elijah, as Luke chapter 1, verse 17 tells us. Notice what he says here in our text in verse 23. Make straight the way of the Lord. He's quoting from Isaiah, and the picture here is of a a sovereign, a king, visiting some remote village in his kingdom. When the villagers would get the message that they were going to have a royal visit, they would send out people uh, to the roads leading to the village. They would clear any debris, limbs that might have fallen throughout the night, uh, debris, rocks that, that might upset the the king's chariot then they would get branches of trees like palm branches and they would sweep the roads and make them as smooth as possible why the king is coming the king is coming prepare make ready and i would tell the church of christ this morning make straight the way of the lord We used to sing an old song, keep the way clear. Let nothing between, nothing between my soul and the Savior. I ask you today, would you search your your heart? Is there anything that needs to be removed, repented of, debris, stuff just in the way? Is there something in the way of you obeying the Lord this morning? Why not move it out of the way by God's grace? Is there some stumbling stone, some, something that calls you to stumble, or that, that the Lord's way is not clear and plain? John is saying, I'm just the mouthpiece, guys. The voice of the Lord crying in the wilderness. Isn't it something that the Lord uses our voice, our means to do His work on earth? How humbling that is. I'm just the voice of the Lord. 
Folks, God could preach his own messages this morning if he wanted to, couldn't he? He could he has spoken directly from heaven, and we're going to see it, the Lord's baptism. He spoke audibly, all could hear it. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. God could could preach this message this morning, and he is chosen in his sovereignty. He has appointed the means of his grace by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. To build us up in the faith, I would say with John the Baptist this morning. Are you ready? Have you repented of your sin and turned to the Savior? He's at hand. The Lord is at hand. We can safely say that, can't we? He's at the door. Sadly, many of God's people don't believe that. They're just about atheistic in that department. They say they believe it. There's no urgency in our living There's no heartfeltness in our worship. There's no uh, prompting of us to obey the Lord. The Lord is at hand. Are you ready? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? He's on His way. He may come now for some of us in this life and death, but He will come one day for all of His people, and He will come one day in great power and glory and judgment. John said, as every true preacher of the gospel should say, bring forth fruit for repentance. John would investigate those who were making a profession of faith, and he demanded that there be fruit for repentance. The proof of genuine repentance and salvation is always spiritual fruit. A willingness to openly and gladly own the Lord as Savior and Lord and to follow Him and to be affiliated with Him and to to do His will. Jesus said, No man who's wanting to follow me, if any man will come after me, let him take up his cross and follow me and deny himself. And this is an ongoing, daily. That was the, the message our Lord preached. Our first message the Lord preached was repent and believe the gospel. Let me ask you this morning, since we're asking questions, this is a good place to ask it, isn't it? In the house of the Lord with His Word opened, the Holy Spirit at work, is there spiritual fruit enough in your life to convict you of being one of God's children? Is there spiritual fruit there? What would you point to? What could others observe in your life to say that this is genuine proof, fruit of of spiritual life within? I want you to know that there is an eternity of difference between religious works and spiritual fruit. Works can be produced in the flesh. They can look good. They can meet all kinds of outward tests. But spiritual fruit is just that. It is of the Spirit. It is something that is prompted and blessed and made obvious by a work deep within that manifests itself outwardly. John was in full rights of saying, bring forth fruit of repentance. Let me ask you, shouldn't we, the church, the bride of Christ, do the same? Nothing between my 
soul and the Savior. Not of this world's delusive dream. I have renounced all sinful pleasure. Keep the way clear. Let nothing between. The writer of the Hebrews puts it this way. Seeing also that we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. You know that there are witnesses this morning. The Bible teaches us in some mysterious way that we don't fully understand that angels always peer into the meetings of God's people. They look and investigate the church, seeing what grace looks like, seeing what the work of the Spirit looks like in these fallen creatures' lives. There's a great host of witnesses. And then we think of those who have gone on before us who died in Christ. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. I see them in my mind's eye, tear after tear in the grandstands of heaven. Hosts, millions and millions and millions. The old Puritan writers just used to say they believe there'd be more in heaven than there'll be in hell. I'm not sure about those calculations, but if it brings God great glory, the greatest glory, whatever will bring him the greatest glory, will certainly be. But this we know. Can we both agree and safely agree there's a great cloud of witnesses observing this humble meeting today? Because you see, this is how God's work is done. He will call a man by the effectual call of the gospel and save him. And then he'll set aside that man for his own use, a vessel for his own. Then he'll put deep in his heart the burning message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he'll set him loose on a congregation of people to make Christ known. And every true preacher will point his hearers to the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Our message is Christ. Our gospel is Jesus Christ. The good news that we present today is that Christ came into the world to save sinners. And all you need to know is that you are one. And that you want to be one of his. And that you'll come under his banner, under his authority. And you'll submit yourself to him. That's, that's simple, isn't it? The least in this room can understand that Jesus Christ will save them if they'll come to him. But I must go to him and ask him to be my savior. Oh, he's a wonderful savior. Our message is verse 29. Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. He saw him. John was convinced of it, wasn't he? John said he was before me. And John was born before Jesus was, wasn't he? What's he referring to? The eternality of the Son of God, the eternal Son of God. This is not just another prophet. This is the Savior. Some may be here this morning and say, Brother Lamb, I've been looking for truth. I've been looking for reality. The only thing that's real in this world is the book that I'm preaching from. And the Christ behind it. And his spirit that's in our midst. Working and showing us 
the things of Christ today. I want to be a preacher in the line of John the Baptist. It matters not what the crowd may say or think. No, I'm not Christ. In fact, I'm nothing. I know who I am. I'm a sinner saved by grace. I'm not sufficient of myself to think anything of myself. My sufficiency is of the Lord. But woe is me if I preach not the gospel of Jesus Christ. Later, Jesus said, well, what did you go to see? <laughs> what did you think you'd see when you went out to hear John? Just a simple gospel preacher saying, make straight the paths. Let me ask those who have not received Christ this morning, why not? Why would you not come to Christ? What, what is standing in your way? Take it away. Sweep it away. Ask Him to do it. Take away all the, the hindrances, the props that you're leaning on. And go to Jesus Christ directly to Him. Tell Him your case. He'll receive you. And then those of you who know the Lord, why don't you go out and clear the highways Clear up those avenues that God uses to come to you. Sweep it clean. Ask Him to show you by His Spirit. Make it straight and clean so the Lord can use you and come to you as He would. Our gracious Heavenly Father, this is Your holy and infallible Word, and we thank You for it. We pray that the Holy Spirit who is in this place because you promised where we're gathered, there I am in the midst of you. And so by faith we believe that. And we come and pray that you'd help the tr- we sang this morning.